one of the very obvious manifestations of God's presence is giving. That's all God is about, giving, giving, giving. God so loved us, he gave his only son. God loved us. God gave his son in order that we could have everlasting life. And he said, I will not withhold any good thing from you if you will just love me. Now, the problem, folks, is that we still don't get it. We still don't get it. We can't wake up to the fact that it, there is overwhelming proof that we, the people living today, have no earthly idea of what Christianity is about and especially giving. Let me give you an example. I saw on Fox News this week, it was announced that on Black Friday, that the people in America spent $6 B billion that day. Now, I want to ask you a question, rhetorical question. You don't have to stand, go to the mic, and answer it. How many of those dollars do you think were spent in buying a gift for Jesus? Just think about it. $6 billion spent in America in buying Christmas presents. How much do you think was set aside for Jesus on Black Friday? You don't want to answer that, do you? I don't either, because I'm ashamed of it. I'm ashamed that Christianity has become like so many other things in this world. We're takers and not givers. We always want to have what's in it for me. What can the church do for me? What can you do for me? What will happen to me if I join with you? I mean, it's all about me. But no, it's not. It's all about him. And when Jesus comes into your life, I can promise you, there will be a transformation. That doesn't mean we're not going to give to others. No. As we have received, we freely give. But we give to him as our priority, and then we give to others that we can just enjoy the giving. It's easy to give to somebody you love, isn't it? Some of you are really burdened because you're going to have to give a present to everybody in the family, and about three of them you wish you didn't have to give it to. But you have to, you know, it's a tradition. Everybody has something under the tree. But I want you to think with me this morning as I try to not beat anybody on the head. Because I've lived too long, I know where the blessings are. The blessings are in giving. The blessings are not in receiving. You're going to be more excited on Christmas morning and watching other people open the presents you gave them than you are opening the presents somebody gave you. And so I want us to go into the scripture, and I want to show you some things that I hope will help you. Again, I'm trying to lead you out of darkness into light. I am trying to lead you, you know, you say, well, it's good for me to give. Okay, all right, but it's best to give to the Lord. And God is love. So let's keep all of that in mind. Now, here we're going to interrupt a story in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. You remember Paul is going around starting churches, and he goes back to minister to these churches. And in Macedonia, there was a crisis, just like there's a crisis today. The church in America is in the greatest financial crisis it has ever known. Anything you want to read will show you that giving in our churches is beginning to go down. 
The, the bride of Christ is being pushed aside in order that we can enjoy a little more fun and a little more stuff. And we need to get a hold of this. Now, it's everybody's decision what you do, but the Bible says you can know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And if you want to know the truth, you go to the Bible. And when the preacher or somebody tells you something that's not in the Bible, you need to question it. But if it's in the Bible, there's no question. God said it. That settles it. Now, when I was a younger Christian, I said, God said it. I believe it. That settles it. I learned later, it doesn't matter whether I believe it or not. If God says it, that settles it. God says the joy comes in giving. So let's look at this. 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 15. Let me read the scripture to you. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we had hoped, but they first, listen, gave their own selves to the Lord and to us by the will of God, insomuch that we desired Titus that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore... As ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that you, listen to this, abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, I, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. Key verse coming up, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. That's us, folks. He paid the price that we could have salvation, that we could have life and have it more abundantly. Once again, verse 10, and herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you who have begun before not only to do, but also to forward a year ago. Now, therefore, perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which you have. For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that that he hath not. For I mean not that other men be eased and ye be burdened, but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. As it is written, he that had gathered much had nothing over, and he that had gathered little had no lack. That scripture could be talked about for days. Let me just sum it up. The Bible simply teaches us there's a time to give and there's a time to receive. 
You know, some people don't know how to receive. It's okay to say thank you for the gift. It's, also, it's okay to be grateful for the gift. It's okay to humble yourself and say, I really appreciate that gift. There's a time to receive, but there's a time to give. And when you're on both sides, you're going to find out it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Now, everybody that lives in this area, and if you're watching on the Internet, we're in Houston, Texas, and the Hurricane Harvey hit. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people lost worldly assets. Some lost everything. And we're seeing a story unfold. We're seeing some light as many churches, including this one, that reached out and helped thousands and thousands of people to get back on their feet. But in the period of doing this, God has more in store than just a few months of giving to teaching us the joy that comes in giving so it'll be the rest of our life that we'll be giving. That we have learned it's better to be the giver than it is to hope somebody calls or comes by or brings you something. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. That seventh verse is a key verse of 2 Corinthians 8. Therefore, as you abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence, and in your love to us, now, here's the key phrase. See that you abound in this grace also. What is this grace also in the rest of the chapter? Giving. Amen. Now, you're learning all of this stuff. You're learning to have faith. You are speaking to God. You are receiving the things of, of God. And there's enthusiasm and there's diligence and there's love and there's all these good things. But in the midst of all of this, the writer says, here's what I want you to get. I want you to learn to be a giver of your time and of your talents and your substance and whatever you have to share it with others to the glory of God. Abound in this grace also. That grace is giving. Jesus was known for his giving, not for his taking. We worship him God the Father, because he gave his only begotten Son. We worship Jesus because he gave us salvation. And he gave us the Holy Spirit to comfort us when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. When we lose our job, when we lose our mate, when we go through trials and tribulations, divorce comes, illness comes, death comes, and people walk out. God says, I have given you my son and the Holy Spirit, and that Holy Spirit will never leave you and will never forsake you. And that Holy Spirit will give you the power to stand while others are falling. That Holy Spirit will give you wisdom where all you're hearing from the world is foolishness. That Holy Spirit will give you encouragement when no one else seems to be encouraging you and when everybody says get out the Lord says come unto me all ye that are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest it's giving folks it is giving it is giving where did we come up with the idea that if we can get more stuff we'll just be happier well if you're happier with higher insurance premiums you will you know, when you get your stuff, you got insurance. Why? Because somebody might take my stuff. 
You know, I got a garage, and I bought a garage, and it's too small. I got more stuff than I can store in the garage. Well, maybe Harvey took it out. Well, thank God I had it insured. Well, let's get off of that. Let's think about what God's trying to teach us here. Here's what he's trying to tell us. There's a, there's a way of life that'll make you happy, and that's when you become a giver. When you look for an opportunity to give somebody your place in line, your seat at the important meeting, when you're able to give to someone a meal, a word, a look, or a touch, where normally it would get you upset, I watched that television on Black Friday and saw those three guys almost kill each other until they tore the television up that they were all trying to get. I thought, God have mercy. How in the world can people become that asinine? I mean, that is ridiculous, folks. Absolutely ridiculous. But that's America, you know. That's us. Don't stitch my stuff. Don't you touch my car. Don't you borrow my golf club. No, you can't use my rifle and shotgun. You'll scratch it up. Well, give it to God. Let God scratch it up. You know, but just learn how to give. But you know something? In our giving, we've got to real quickly understand what the priority is. Now, this all will not agree with me, I'm sure, but I want to tell you the truth. The most important thing that Christians have the responsibility to do is to spread the gospel message to the world. That's it. That is it. Way above anything else. You say, well, I just love to do charity work. I love charities too, and I thank God for them, and they all have a purpose, but they don't replace the number one thing. The number one thing is that God wants us to give that the world may hear the gospel before Jesus comes back to this earth again. And those funds this year are plummeting. I am in the know. I happen to have been around a long time in Baptist life, and the Baptist people are the largest mission givers in the world, and our mission givings are plummeting. And I know the CEOs of every one of those organizations, no exception. We are seeing people forsake the main thing, to get the gospel to the world before Jesus comes back again. When we feed, clothe, or whatever, that's good. That's all in the Bible, but that's temporary. But there's one thing that money can't buy and death can't take away from you, and that's salvation in Jesus Christ. And if you lose your house here to Harvey, there's a mansion over on the hillside where the gates of pearl and the walls of jasper and the streets of gold God has it planned. But for us to just dive off and say, you know, everybody's doing it, and I just want to be one of the bunch. Well, if you want to be one of the bunch, you ought to come into this world as a banana. <laughs> That's what they're for. But what we're here for is to spread the gospel. Now, for those that don't know Jesus, have zero interest in spreading the gospel. When we take up the largest mission gift that will be given is a Lottie Moon Christmas offering named after a little four-foot, uh, two-inch uh, little lady that took the gospel to China many, many years ago. 
That is an offering that will reach to the uttermost part of the world. The prediction is it will be the lowest ever this year because people have turned their back on spreading the gospel message of Jesus Christ. The churches have quit preaching it. The Bible teachers have quit teaching it. And the people have been get, quit giving to it. Our goal, as he is, so we're to be. These churches were started by the Apostle Paul, who was an infidel, hated the church, and murdered Christians. He helped start these churches, and he sold them. Your goal is to tell the world about Jesus. It's an abomination to God if people come to Sagemont Church or any other church that you might attend on any time and don't hear that Jesus loves them and God has a plan for their life and they can be born again instantaneously and go out of here with a new life in Jesus Christ. Amen. That's the message, folks. It's not about socializing. It is about being born again and making sure that people get that message. Never has there been greater opportunity. With that Internet that I'm speaking to right now, this message is going around the world. The Bible says the gospel is going to be preached to the entire world, and then Jesus is coming again, and we're coming close to that. But all of us have a responsibility to be able to send it, to be able to let it go out to the world, that we can minister to people like we want to. And by the way, when you go out of here today, don't you dare go out without picking up, as long as they last, our, our uh, denominational newspaper, which is at, out in the front, and see some behind the scenes of what happened at the Sutherland Church the other day. Read some of those stories that you did not see in the press. See what God did up there in that place that the news has not told you about. And you'll see that God is still on his throne. That there's a people that have understood to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord, and we'll understand it better by and by. But the main thing is to preach Jesus. And don't be afraid of the devil. He can't win. He is defeated, and Jesus is Lord. Amen. Refusal to give is not a new problem. You're born that way. Go back and get some of those 8-millimeter movies so when you were 3 years old. You were a holy terror, <laughs> jerking things away from your friends in the bassinet with you or whatever. I mean, you were just terrible. I mean, nobody said, I want to teach you how to be stingy. Don't have to teach me. I was born that way. Problem is, some of them hadn't outgrown it. Some of us hadn't outgrown it. We're still that way. I want my stuff. I want my stuff. Now I'm going to preach. I got 12 points. <laughs> Let's see how quick I can give them to you. Number one, we've got to give ourselves to the Lord first. Okay? God doesn't want a thing you've got. Keep your money. Keep your money. Let the kids fight over it. Keep it. Don't worry about it. God doesn't need your money. He's got along without it to this point, and he'll continue. But you see, we must first give ourselves to the Lord. And if you've done that, then you want to be a giver. If you haven't, you don't want to be. It hasn't changed your idea about what I'm talking about. It makes you just as mad when I talk about money after you have joined the church and got baptized, that's before. That's what happens if you don't get saved. But when you get saved, old things pass away and all things become new. You start looking at it different. You find out the church is not ripping you off your money. 
but I can tell you a lot of places are, but we better do that in private since I'm on television, okay? But if you hadn't caught on to the system yet, you better wake up. And you better wake up quick or you will be broke, I guarantee you. But you know something? Your gifts are not to replace your life. If I'm talking to anybody here and say, well, I'm going to give a big offer and get right with God, that won't get you right with God. Getting saved will get you right with God. Being born again will get you right with God. Becoming a new creature gets you right with God. You had not got enough money. You can't buy God off. God's son paid for our salvation. And he didn't do it with American dollars. He did it with his blood. And you and I must back away from that. Number two, God's giving comes through human channels. God has chosen to bless us so we can spread the gospel. When he finds a child that he can trust and I wished I had the privacy and the confidentiality and the permission to give you, I could give you 25 stories in the next 25 minutes of people sitting right here in this auditorium that God one day came into their life, changed their life. They committed everything they had to the Lord and God took them out of the sinking sand and put them on the solid rock and it's blessed them unbelievably. And it's not because they got a degree from a great university. It's because that they got an anointing from the Holy Spirit that I have finally found somebody I can flow my wealth through. And watch out when that happens. The Chick-fil-A stories are not just random stories. They're all over in different portions. The Hobby Lobby stories, different stories and so forth. But I'm telling you what, God doesn't need any of our money. He's got plenty of it. But he needs to take his money and get it to people that can give it that the world might hear about Jesus Christ. And keep that the main thing. As you make your charity gift, make sure that there's something involved there that has to do with eternal life and spiritual life. But God chooses us to give. We cannot literally put our gifts in God's hand, but we can give through our churches, through our religious organizations that are spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. We always want to know, what do you want for Christmas? What do you want for Christmas? You know what the question ought to be? What does God want me to give for Christmas? What does God want me to give? How does he want me to give it? How can I be blessed by knowing that somebody's going to hear about Jesus? They wouldn't have heard unless I'd have given my gift to the Lord. Verse 5 says, they gave to us the church by the will of God. The us is the church in Macedonia. They gave to the church, and the church gives collectively as the bride of Christ to see that the world hears about the Lord Jesus. We have thousands of missionaries that we support every single day around the world through your tithes and offerings right here at the Sage My Church. We wouldn't be on television if it was not for your giving of God's wealth through you so others can hear about the Lord. And God would say, thank you, thank you, and God has blessed us for that. You know, it's, human suffering is terrible. And my heart goes out to it. I give to those kind of things. But my heart goes out more to people that are spiritually suffering and will for all of eternity. You know, one of these days, we're going to have a new body. One of these days, we're going to have a new life. One of these days, cancer will not be being studied. It will be cured. And it will be no more. That day is coming. But I want to be there when it happens. I don't think it's going to come here. I think it's going to come up there. Because he is the great physician. Amen? 
He is the great physician. But our goal is not to get people back on their feet. Our goal is to get people into the arms of Jesus. That's our goal. That's our priority. If we're believers, if we are truly the bride of Christ, that's our goal. Number four, I want you to know that joy. No, I didn't even give you number three. Our giving ought to be according to the will of God. Not what we want to give, but what does God want us to give? Let God tell you what to give. You say, Lord, what would you have me to give? And he gives you a figure that has one more zero and you want it. You say, my goodness, Lord, how in the world can I do that? Well, did you ever hear the scripture, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me? Let me tell you something. If God tells you to give it, he's got to provide it. Right? And if you get honest with God and say, God, you give it, I'll give it. I will help put it where you want it to go. I promise you, scripturally, God said, I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. Number four, joy comes in giving. Amen? All you givers, amen? It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. No question about that. That's in verse 2 of 2 Corinthians 8. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Number five, giving ought to be our first priority. Black Friday, why don't we have a red Sunday? The blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. Why don't we have a red Sunday when we say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Before we fill up our credit cards, we're going to go to the Lord. And we're going to take our gift to the Lord. And we're going to make sure people hear about Jesus in, in Houston and the uttermost part of the world, regardless of whether we get a popcorn popper or not. We're going to do what God wants us to do. And giving should be our first priority, not of our leftovers, not of our surplus, but give what God tells us to give and let every giving experience be a worship experience. If God says, keep it all, keep it, keep it. I don't know why I tell you that, but if he says so, keep it. He's got another plan. Don't feel guilty. Whatever God says, do it. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all to the glory of God. Number six, give willingly, not grudgingly. Now, I remember my dad said that, that, well, God will take it from an old grouch, but uh, that's country preaching. He didn't get that in the seminary, if you know what I mean. But don't you like to see somebody give you something and they get so excited? I gave a dog a gift this week. I did. I gave a, a, a dog a gift. I went with some men in a hunting camp, and I didn't take them anything, but I took the dog a pillow. I got a picture on my phone. If you want to stop me in the hall, I'll show you the dog. I mean, he's so happy, you can't believe it. And I was thrilled to death. You know, the other guys had everything, but the dog needed something to sleep on. But you know what? When you learn to give, you just can't stop. You can't. It's just something there. You got to be careful. You got to do what God tells you to do, and he'll never tell you to give what you don't have or that he won't provide for you. The third verse says, they were willing of themselves. They were willing to give of themselves to the Lord. Number seven, our giving should not be from our parent resources, but from God's actual resources. And God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the hills they graze on. And God says, I will provide your need to give. If you will commit to me that you will give, I will commit to you that I will supply. And if I don't supply, then you'll know that on your end there was some mistake in interpretation. 
because God will give us what we are to give. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, Every man, according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a what? Cheerful giver. Number seven, our giving should not be from our parent resources, but from God's actual resources. And I didn't put this on it a while ago. God owns everything. Don't ever forget that. The third verse says, beyond our power, we're to give. Number eight, giving is a privilege. Understand it, not a duty. God doesn't save you and now it becomes your duty to give. God saves you and now it becomes your privilege to give. It gives you the privilege to get over in the other side. You're over here when it's always about receiving. Now you're over there when it's all about giving. And God says, how do you get from there over to here? God supplied it. God supplied it. And when God learns that he can trust us, then he always, always, always comes through. So we're to give as a privilege, not as a duty. Number nine, you know what giving does? It shows the sincerity of our love. For God so loved the world, what did he do? He gave his only begotten son. Well, why did he give something of more value? There wasn't anything more valuable. He gave the best thing he had. He gave his only begotten son in order that the world could receive the gift of eternal life because the blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. Number 10, and I like this one. That's the reason I want you to get the paper when you go out, see what you had a part in. God enables us to enjoy real Christian fellowship when we become givers together. God bless you thousand people that served to get those 600 houses when Harvey came through and to take that sheetrock down. Thank you, thousands of people participated from this church. And we had more fun. Even seeing a guy from New York drop two credit cards and his driver's license in the, in the parking lot across the street and drove all night to bring a truckload of water down here and they stayed in that parking lot for five hours and some precious saint picked up that package that had two credit cards and his driver's license in them and he didn't even know he'd lost him. And I got to tell the man from New York, do y'all have miracles in New York? <laughs> or do they just happen in Texas? <laughs> he said, what do you mean by that? I said, well, I got three men from Louisiana that just cooked some jambalaya that you just ate and he didn't even know what jambalaya was. I said, he's got something he wants to give you. He handed him a packet. He looked at that, looked at the man. He opened it up. There was his driver's license. There was his two credit cards. No, excuse me. The driver's license was in, in the packet. And then the other guys, when there wasn't the credit cards, one of them gave him one credit card, one gave him the other. I said, that's been five hours on a Texas pavement. And thousands of Texans have walked over it. And you got it back. Is that not a miracle? And he said, he said... I said, what happened in New York? He said, if somebody would have given it back to me, I'd already be gone to the telephone calling 15 or 20 people and telling them, it's been stolen, it's been stolen, it's been stolen. But God has a way of doing simple things like that to just let you know he is in control. And he can even take, of a, take care of a Yankee in Houston. 
that'll just kind of walk around just saying, God, what an awesome God you are. What a fellowship it was to do that, to pray for those people before we went into their house, those widows that had nobody, nobody. And all of a sudden, teenagers and children and adults, young, middle-aged and old, came in and cleaned that house. That's what Christianity is all about, and it's service. But you know what? you got to be born again. you got to be saved. You have to understand it's not about our stuff. It's about the blood of Jesus, which cleanses from all sin. Let me just quickly, if you look at verse 4, our giving should follow much prayer and planning. Don't just jump up and say, okay, I'll give that. I'll do this. I'll do this. Pray about it. Pray about it earnestly. And then plan. This is the way I want to do it. I remember one day when we saw $280,000 worth of stuff that came out of our garages sold to build this building. I saw a $3 cane sell for $67,000 because it was carried by a man that served God faithfully all of his life, visiting the hospitals and going to funeral services, Howard Moosley, and that $3 cane sold for $67,000. And there's never been a cane in the world sold for that much. Was a cane worth it? No, but the love was. That's what it was all about. That's what Christianity is all about. We're talking about not our stuff. We're talking about our lives. We're concerned about people having houses, but we want them to have a home in heaven. We're, we're concerned about people having, having physical food, but we want them to have spiritual food when they come to our churches. We want people to be loved, not used. We don't want to use poor people to make us feel better. We want to bless poor people in order that poor people can know there's a God in heaven that loves them unconditionally and has saved us and forgiven us. And by the grace of God, we were able to be givers instead of takers during that time and learn what it means that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. So I want to encourage you. As I give you number 12, that don't forget this. We have a great motive to give if we're saved what can a man give in exchange for his soul is what the Bible says how, how much money would salvation be worth to you if you knew you had 10 minutes to live how I, I mean what is money going to do for that nothing but we understand that you have a gift given to you by God a gift of eternal life and that he's going to live in you. And wherever he leads, he's going to carry you. Just think what you could accomplish. The measure of our love and appreciation is the result of God sending his son. That's, where it's all, that's what Christmas is all about. And if you want to determine whether you are giving as you should, What about what God gave to you? How valuable my only begotten son in order that whosoever believeth would not perish. What a price God the Father paid for my salvation, which I received when I was seven years old. What a price. I'll never understand that. I'll never understand it. 
But I know when I got that gift, I have something money can't buy and death can't take away from me. No doctor, no, no person can take it away. It's eternal life. And the measure of our love and appreciation for God's Son will determine what we do when it comes to our own personal giving. I'm going to give you the first line, and I'm through. Old song. When I give you these first words, you add the, the words that just come in your mind. Oh, how I love Jesus because... Because he first loved me. See, folks, we're not inventing something here. We're just returning the love. God, you sent your son. Save me. I'm going to give my life to tell the story. And I'm not only going to tell it with my mouth. I'm going to live it with my life. The church should never have to want for people to volunteer to work with children and teenagers and adults and people that are hurting and visiting the hospitals and doing all those kind of things. We should never have to worry about that because people that say they know God and do know God will want God to use them all the days of their life. And then when we step into glory, we can hear, Well done, my good and faithful servants. You were faithful over a few things. We're not going to have a lot of wealth, most of us. But what do we have? We gave to the Lord. I'm going to now make you rule over many. That's what heaven's going to be like. I don't know how a baptized church member that doesn't give can stand before God and hear him ask that question. Why, my child, didn't you trust me? Why? Did you forsake the loving word that I gave to the hearts of the writers, an inspired and an errant and infallible Bible, and told you that I will bless you exceeding abundantly above all you can think or ask? Why? Why? Why would you say, I know you, but obviously you don't live in me? Because if you lived in me, that's what I would do. Folks, that's tough. But there's no exception to that biblically. Christ in us is the hope of the future. Many church members, Billy Graham used to say, the greatest mission field in the world is the roles of our churches. And, and churches will prove that. We have 21,000 members in this church. Take the FBI to find 5,000 of them. And some of them don't live three miles from the church building. But a long time ago, they said, I just didn't get nothing out of it. So I just quit. May God have mercy. May God have mercy.